0: This is the What Matters Most podcast. A 100% listener-supported program. And now, here is your host, Paul Samuel Dolman. Welcome back to What Matters Most. Thank you to everyone around the world who tunes in. Appreciate you. Keep writing me. Keep the guest suggestions coming and the commentary. I appreciate the positive feedback. Today, I have a really interesting guest who's doing just beautiful work in the world and has a wonderful story she'll share, I'm sure. She is the founder and the face of Happily Gray. Based out of Nashville, it started as a passion project and it's grown into a pretty big deal. It's an honor to welcome to the family for the first time, Mary Lawless Lee. Thanks for coming on.
1: Thank you. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. I'm, I'm very excited and looking forward to our conversation and excited to be a part of of, the, of your podcast that I've admired.
0: Well, thank you. Hey, we're both in Nashville today. You live here. I'm visiting. Why is everyone in the world trying to move here? Do you have any theories?
1: I mean, truly, everyone is trying to move here. During the pandemic, we had I, I just had such a massive influx from New York and L.A. And, you know, I, I've said this since the day that I've moved here. And I, and I think this is true, it's the warmth. It is the warmth and the inviting environment that people here cultivate. And I've been here now for 12 years and that just has never changed. Even with the growth and you know all of the new businesses and the new music and arts and everything, it's just a really special place.
0: That's my theory too. There's an excessive friendliness and I was with some friends from New York, I think, about a year or two ago. We were at a traffic light in Green Hills, close to where we are. And the light turned green, and the person in the front didn't move for like a oh, 20 seconds, and then moved. And my New York friends were amazed that no one honked a horn. They're like, that's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. And they said, in New York, it would have been so fast. And I, I once said the fastest interval of time in, in all of time and space is in New York City when the light turns from red to green in the first horn hunks. You can't measure that amount of time. But Nashville, nothing.
1: That is so funny that you just gave that example because I have shared that so many times because I've experienced that myself. People, there's just this, you know, there's a patience, there's a warmth, there's a kindness, and it's so genuine. It's Because I'm from Texas, so Texas people, Texans are, are nice and good and solid people too, but Tennesseans have this genuine sweetness to them, and I've just never experienced anything anywhere else in the world.
0: Why did you move here 12 years ago?
1: So I moved here, I was so my background's actually in nursing. I worked as a critical care nurse and I went to school at UT Austin and then got my first job in the Texas Medical Center at Memorial Hermann, working in cardiovascular ICU. And I was also married at 21 and my ex, yes, very young. And my ex-husband at the time had just been accepted into Vanderbilt's oral surgery residency program. So, you know, we were excited, made the big move. I was working at Vanderbilt in their cardiovascular ICU. And that's really what brought me here. You know, I, I moved here with the intention to be here for three, four years at most. And now 13 years later, <laughs> I'm still here, it's home. And I, you know, I, I don't know if that'll ever change because we love it so much. In life, it looks much different than it did when we moved here.
0: And it sounds like you had it all planned out at 21. And then I'm sure a lot of things changed and people think they can control their lives if they just write it down and try to get hold and arms around every aspect of it doesn't work that way.
1: It was exactly the truth for me. You know, at, at 18, I had my entire life planned down to like, here's the list and here's the box and and I'll go through and I'll, I'll check And, you know, I think that's been the most exciting part about life is because all that got turned upside down. And, you know, what I, what I thought I knew is uh, of myself and my heart and my path, you know, I, I learned so much differently. And so, yeah, that's, that's where I've really, I mean, that's really the heart of my book and my story is, is it not, it not going as planned and realizing that's where really the the beauty really lies.
0: I hear in all this, uh, a perfectionist perhaps as a young person.
1: Oh, oh yeah. (laughs) Yes. I write about perfectionism a lot. I, you know, I grew up with this unrealistic perfectionism in my head as, as do a lot of, a lot of people, specifically women. And you know you, you you have this this expectation that's so unrealistic and you know you map it all out you plan it all out and it's you, you know you you're just stopped in your tracks and and it's a lot of i've had to do a lot of work a lot of digging and soul searching you know to really find you know that that there might not be a path and that less than perfect is exactly right um, but that's the, that's the beautiful part. And I've come to realize that, but it it was, you know, a decade's worth of work to really get there.
0: Where does that type of social conditioning come from? And it's fatal too, if you don't treat it.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And and I will say it's an ongoing, it's an ongoing, it's ongoing for me. I'm cutting constantly. It's not like you, you know, you do some work and it's fixed. And so you're constantly challenging and pouring into that, but I grew up in a very small town in Royal East Texas. Um, it was beautiful. It was on, honestly like this land of Narnia, just my, I lived on a farm, 500 acres and, you know, pasture and hay bales and cows, as far as you can see. And it was, it was beautiful, but you know, with that comes, it, it, it was, it was closed minded in a way. And, um, there, I felt like, you know, there was, there's a lack of perspective at times. And I um, just got in my mind that I had to be this at this standard, and this is what I had to achieve. And, you know, it was, it was very unrealistic. Um, And a lot of, you know, it was very conservative and just at times felt very, very restricting and, and very black and white, I would say you kind of had to be fit in this box and it was this way or that way. And so, you know, and my, my family wasn't the best at sitting around the fireside and having conversations and talking about our feelings and our hearts much like, much like most families, you know, and, and that's, I think, you know, a lot of that, just your, your culture to that. And you have to step outside into the world and witness other walks of life. You know, to really get outside that that those boxes and those walls, and to really get some perspective, and that really rocked my world in a major way.
0: Was there religious fundamentalism mixed into?
1: Yeah, yeah. There, I mean, and my parents are Southern Baptists, and I, I do value, and I'm thankful for the 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 morals and you know the values that were established early on, but it's, it, there's, there's, you can always take that too far. And so that's a part of, that was a part of the, you know, the culture. And um, I think that for me, and, and I'm, a, I'm a mother of two, I think it's important to present all walks of life, you know, all, you know, different aspects. One way is one way, but that doesn't make it the, the others the wrong way. And so it took me experiencing some other things to really understand and learn that, but that's just rooted in that culture, you know, and it's a, it's a part of, you know, how you're raised. And so while I am thankful for some aspects of it, it was also hindering it in some ways.
0: You almost sound like a deep empathetic person too.
1: Ah, well, I, you know, I think that's what got me into nursing. I, I have a love for people and I have a love for taking care of people and I always have. It was, it was very clear to me that I wanted to be a caretaker in some way. I didn't exactly know that was nursing, initially, and I. But I've always had that passion, and I've always been a big feeler. I feel like you know, when I'm sitting in a room, I can feel what everyone's heart feels, and I and I and I take that on. And so, uh, that's you know what really inspired me to get into nursing and want to, wanted to be able to help people in vulnerable, vulnerable moments of their life.
0: Did you burn out? Is that why you made a change?
1: No, no, I really didn't. I've, so, you know, I've always had this deep passion for writing and my, my crossover into this digital world was never intentional. I started writing 12 years ago as a creative outlet, you know, just as a passion project. And I, and I've always loved fashion. I've always, you know, that's always kind of been my, my creative outlet, fashion, accessories, hair. And I just started writing and it was, I, I paid my friend $50 to create a website for me. And this was before Instagram and Pinterest had not launched yet. And so this was, you know, before the the evolution of, of the social influence. And I was just writing, no picture was associated with it at the time. And, you know, that's what, that's what like started that path, that, that journey. And quickly I realized there had to be a, a picture to accompany it. So I started like taking pictures of my outfits. And over the last 10 years, that that creative outlet naturally turned into a lifestyle brand. But people always ask, like, how'd you do it? How'd you do it? And it, there was no like turn the light on and it happened. It was truly like a decade's worth of um, of, of time. And, and, and then soon I realized, oh, this is... Three years in, once Instagram and Pinterest had launched, I realized, like, wow, that this is that this is actually something. I've wandered into something, and so, yeah, it was um, a beautiful mistake, kind of. You know? But I think that's the best part of life. Like I, I shared earlier, is I didn't know this was this would be my path or my journey. But that's that's you know really the the thrill of that curiosity was the unknown.
0: How surprised are you today at the growth and the scope of it?
1: Um, I, I mean, (laughs) I, I always think back to my nursing days and, you know, it was really hard to put nursing down. I I did both for four years, juggled both because I couldn't quite, couldn't quite, um, close that chapter, but I, you know, I, I, I love what I get to do. I'm thankful. I I have this deep appreciation for it because I, I do love the autonomy I love the entrepreneurship. I had no idea that I would feel this alive in that area, and now we've we've built different businesses. And um, I have a retail store in Nashville. We just launched a personal care skin company, and so it's evolved and turned into much more than what I ever expected. But the, the appreciation for being able to be in this space and and hopefully be able to inspire women in a real authentic way is has always been the foundation for me. And I think a lot of that comes from this this past of of nursing and that the gratitude for you know the, of that foundation that it really gave me to step into this space.
0: Mayor, why do you think it resonates so with so many people? What is it about it that is striking a chord or making a connection? Have you broken it down or do you have any theories?
1: Um, you know, I I think that social media can feel isolating and, you know, what I would hope my, my hope and, and a lot of my motive behind anything and everything I share is, is the, you know, the, the authenticity, the realness um, to show both sides of the story. And I've, I've often had people say they feel that through it in that. I think there's little aspects of brands that, that where you can pick up on those things. And I hope that's what people um feel and you know what they 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 get they feel inspired and they feel um like they're part of a community and that they're a part of something that's that's you know bigger and than them and 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 inspiring them in a way that is uplifting and not isolating and so that's my hope i it's hard you know to, to answer that question about myself but i I, I hope that it that it leads women in that way.
0: And the social media landscape is a slippery one. And ultimately, a lot of studies are showing how destructive it is, especially to women. The amazing amount of time spent, the platforms are designed to be addictive. I don't see anyone on Instagram hardly anymore who isn't heavily filtered, which, or God only knows what else. And it just makes me wonder, how do they move through the world as a beautifully imperfect human being if they're constantly presenting this artificial self.
1: That's the reason for this book. That that was you know the other side of the story. And that's what I've struggled with, the isolation of social platforms and and how, you know, it, it you get you get the highlight reel and and even, even even worse than that a lot of times it's this filtered unrealistic perception that is being you know, pursued, and then, and I think it's even the, the most scary side of that is young women are, are are looking to that and aspiring to that. And I feel very called to, to to tell the other side of the story, to to share the journey of getting there, to hopefully kind of break that that perception that it can be. But no, it's it's very isolating. It can be very damaging, and I have felt that myself. There's a chapter in the book that talks about. How toxic and damaging social media can be, um, but then there's also, you know, if you know, there has to be boundaries, and there can it can not be that experience as well. But I think women and young women have to know what to look for, and they have to understand what's realistic and what's not, um, and 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 because it can be a really scary, dark, dark place.
0: And it leads a lot to eating disorders and body image scarring and things.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And so that's, uh, you know, I talk about chapter two is dedicated to my decade struggle with an eating disorder. And this was before social media. This was in high school that mine developed. And so, um, however, I will say having a digital platform, it gets tricky. You know, it's it's there's emphasis on uh, so much on, you know, appearance and body type and what is defined as beautiful, and so it's a constant reminder for me, and that's like I said, that was just that's really the the biggest foundation of and the biggest motive of of why I wanted to write this book to be able to share the other side of the story. And um, for me, a lot of these stories are rooted in shame. You know, a lot of the stories I, I was divorced at, at a young age, and I struggled with an eating disorder at a young age, and a lot of that, you know, lingered and continued to get worse and worse because of the shame, you know, that, that, that comes with that. And I think a lot of people, a lot of women would, would, would be able to relate to that. But one thing that I've realized is shame can't survive in light and sharing allows that light to come in. And so, you know, without a doubt, when I, when I knew I was ready to write this book, I knew we were going to tell the hard stories. We were going to give the full un, unfiltered story for what it was, because I, I hope that others will hear this and, and feel not alone. They won't feel isolated and they'll feel hope and be able to, you know, get help and, and in whatever way, whatever, however that looks like. But for me, a lot of that was rooted in shame and, and still is such a practice of the more I share, the stronger I am the more light that is allowed to come in and the stronger we all are as a community. And with what you said earlier, I hope that women feel that when they read our blog posts, when they read, when they see our social posts, I I hope that that's an underlying message that they're getting and that they feel and that they feel like this community um, really puts, puts forward as, as, as important and,
0: Transparency is the key because this, it can only thrive and fester in silence and darkness.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely, and that's the scariest part. That's what I felt, you know, when I was going through these dark times in my life. And you know, I'll, I'll share this too. We I wrote this entire book without Chapter Two, and Chapter Two is, is the chapter about my struggle with eating. I wrote the entire book. I finished the book two weeks before Christmas. And at Christmas break, I read the book for the first time for joy, just for pleasure. You know, I put aside my computer and my pens and highlighters. And I said, you know what, I'm just going to read it. I'm going to try to be like a bystander of my own story. And I read it and it was I had such deep conviction and I immediately knew this, this story, you know, the most important part of this book is missing. And if, if I can't, and I felt like, yeah, I felt convicted and and knew that I had to, that was the most important story for me to feel, to share. My 23 year old self was speaking to me in that moment. And um, I, I like could visualize her so desperate for, for, for support and community and honesty and transparency. And I'll never forget what it felt like for me to share with my first female friend Hey, I'm struggling with this. And for her to say me too. And, I mean, and so that's why we, I, I, I called one of my editors immediately after I gave it till after Christmas, but I called her in between Christmas and new year's. And I said, we've got another chapter to write. I I have something else I want to share. And so I'm, I'm, I'm so thankful that we did. It's scary to, to, you know, to, to really, to be able to, you know, share it all, but, this book wouldn't, this book wouldn't be the same without it.
0: I applaud your courage and bravery. Why do you think it is so scary for us to show our authentic true self when that's all we want to do as a soul?
1: You know, I think perception and, and, you know, I think perception has a lot to do with that and, you know, what, how you will be perceived. And then also that's, you know, the, what you should be the, 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 the level of what you think people should think of you. And so I think that for me has has been my biggest enabler <laughs> and what I have to constantly go back and squash and say, you know, I'm stronger stepping into this vulnerability. I'm stronger when I let the light in, but it's a constant reminder for me, you know, it's, 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 it's not easy and stepping into that vulnerability. It never is, but, it's, it's massively rewarding and there's a community and I feel less alone. And so ultimately I think those are the things that inspire us more to do it because we realize, cause I mean, just people don't want to be alone. They don't want to feel isolated. I think it all comes down to that. And although it's scary when we step into that, we, we really, we realize that we aren't alone and this, this is a, this is a a, pro, a journey together. And that's ultimately the conversations I had with certain people around my eating disorder is ultimately, you know, what gave me the courage to step into the therapy that I needed to, to, to step into, you know, all the things that over the decade of of work that I had to do to get to this point, that was, that was, you know, huge for me. And, And that's what I knew. There's no question that I had to share this for the girl, for the woman, for the man for whoever is in at that moment that I was at, because it is so scary and it's so dark. And all I needed was one person to say, me too, and it's okay. And so I hope that I hope that other women will find that in this story.
0: What would you say to that 23-year-old you today and in the sense all the women around the world who are listening right in this moment?
1: You're not alone. <laughs> and just those three simple words provided so much relief to me you are not alone
0: cuz you felt so isolated didn't you
1: i did yeah i felt isolated i felt dark and the outlets i was turning to were not only only made me feel more that way and you know i i think i came from a lot of my relationships in my life at that time just weren't, I didn't feel safe to really open up and share. And, you know, I think that's a big part, a big part of it is your, you know, the the group of of people that are around you and feeling that level of safety and support. And it's important that you can get that anywhere. And it only takes one person. It only takes one person in your life that you, you can do that with. And um, for a while, I only had one person that knew and they were my sense of accountability And a lot of times I think people don't have that. And so it gets darker and it lingers and it gets worse, but it's, 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 it begins with honesty and it begins with courage and from there accountability. And, and then I think that's when I, at least that's when I felt the most sense of relief, it felt, it felt like I wasn't just fighting the battle myself, but I was I I had support. I had, I had troops that were alongside with me.
0: In your darkest hours ever, did you feel like taking your own life and leaving the earth just to bring relief from the suffering?
1: No, I didn't. I didn't. And, you know, I've had conversations with women that have, and that felt very dark in it. And, and I can, you know, I, 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 I know what that journey is like. And so I can, I can understand feeling that way. Um, But, you know, I, I knew that there was something more and I knew that I would, I would find my path and, you know, I knew that I, I would get there. I think nursing for me, nursing was the biggest foundation and kind of that, those experiences is what, really um provided that for me you know nursing as a nurse you sit in this gray area between life and death and i learned i learned so much about the human spirit and the human body and i just you know we're we're so resilient the humility the bravery the love and it just was so impossibly deep and uh, you know that that most can't even imagine and through that process i learned the true grit and the true gratitude and so the appreciation for life and the gift that it is was never in question, but um, it, nursing taught me to lean on others. It taught me to, you know, understand what strengths look like and let other people lift me up. And ultimately, ultimately, you know, my appreciation for that journey and that process, I think is what allowed me to step into the, into that vulnerability of, Hey, I'm not okay. And it's okay to not be okay.
0: What do you do now to take good care of yourself? I know it's hard. You're a mom of two.
1: <laughs> yeah, mom of two. So I have an 18-month-old and I have a three-year-old. And so life is, you know, life is so busy right now. It is, it is um nonstop. But I mean, you can just hear too. Like I immediately start smiling when I get to talk about being a mother and like yes, that that is, because it's the most joy I've ever experienced, um, but it's self-care. So, you know, doing all this hard work through, you know, these, these moments in my life that I have the most deep-rooted shame, you know, it was kind of the first step. But then the next step is, okay, so how do I, how do I actually take care of myself? And how do I pour into my soul and my heart? And uh, I've had to really, really, learn and take a long look at self-care. And, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of stuff about, you know, about self-care and it's like, people throw it out a lot, but it there's true. There really is something to it. And there is, um, it's something that I've learned to appreciate. It's something that I've learned that I have to slow down and pour into myself. And so just learning what those moments even look like. My, thankfully my husband is really hands-on. So we're a team effort. And he always jokes about self-care Sunday. And so, you know, those little moments, those little moments that you, you do to make sure for me, that's therapy, um, you know, weekly therapy, which I, I spent my whole life not doing it and not really understanding what it could do and what it meant. Um, and that's a huge part of my well-being and, and my mental health. Um, and just stuff as simple as a bath. If I can get a bath every day, like a good soak, I am one happy mom.
0: <laughs> simple basic hygiene is like on the list of priorities.
1: I mean, truly, when you have when you have toddlers, moms will tell you if I can just shower, I can wash my hair, then if I can brush my teeth, then I am this is a good day. <laughs>
0: My friend has two young ones. She said, I got 30 minutes to myself today where I could, and I, my brain was trying to reboot. It's
1: true. It's true. I mean, especially if, if, if you work on top of it, it's, you know, it just, you, those moments are far and fleeting. So I, I deeply appreciate my 8 PM <laughs> getting to, getting to get in the bathtub.
0: How has it changed you to be a mom?
1: Motherhood has You know, it's, I always go back to a place of gratitude and the last 10 years of my life, that has been the theme, I feel like, and and just kind of every road leads back to this deep sense of gratitude. But um, motherhood has, uh, two things, the gratitude for sure, being so thankful um, to be able to experience life again through their eyes, to be able to kind of, I I feel like motherhood has, has, you has made me kind of understand that sense of childlike wonder that escapes us as an adult and I have immense gratitude for that I, I feel like I'm reliving every moment through their eyes and there's so much beauty in that and that's that's what the joy is connected to and why when you ask about them initially I started smiling because it's Getting to experience all these little things that, as adult, when you're when you're so busy and you're going from here to here to here, and it's just so task driven, those little moments of, for example, my daughter, my daughter is obsessed with bubblegum skies, and when the sunset is is starting, she always like I was just traveling on a plane, and and I talked to her. She said, "Mom, did you see the? She call she calls them gum bubblegum skies." And, mom, did you see any gummo gum skies in the, on the, in the air? It's just little moments like that of, of, of like stopping. And here I am stopping and looking out. And I, and I, you know, videoed um, with my phone, the the, the sunset in the air, but those little moments of her being in awe of something that I would have possibly just dismissed, you know, and are not taking the moment to really appreciate. So I have a true sense of gratitude for um being able to relive and and remind me of the childlike wonder and how powerful and how peaceful and you know that that really is as an adult
0: do you ever break down and just cry because it's so beautiful or maybe you're just too tired to even think anymore but
1: tired <laughs>
0: I'm tired.
1: I'm tired you know it's a busy time alive not just with kids but we it's, we have have a store in west nashville and then uh, we just launched a new skincare company. And so as an entrepreneur and just, you know, when you built, when you it's, it's just nonstop, it is all in we, my husband and I work together and so we're business partners and it's, it's hard to, I think the biggest struggle for us is the boundaries and when to turn it off it's really really hard and i would say that's you know one of the things we're learning to do right now we still we certainly haven't mastered that by any means but we're learning to you know set boundaries and be able to have a balance of hey i'm still your wife (laughs) but um it's yeah i i have moments where i just sob because i'm exhausted and stressed and i don't know how it's all going to work out but um, it's also I, on the other side of that, though, I, I would never change any of it for, for, for a moment because I also love it. I, I love it. The, I mentioned earlier, the autonomy and, um, just trying to create something that doesn't exist, trying to build something with a team of people, um, feels that I, I love that the g- working together for this, this one goal, is and having that community and that synergy uh, is, has been really cool. And, and, and that's, you know, that's 10 years in the making of, of getting to this point. But I've never been more excited for where we are. And I, and I hope the impact that we're making as a team together than I am now.
0: So you never have any fleeting fantasies that you might even voice about. Let's sell everything. We're going to move to Costa Rica. Look, honey, there's 10 <laughs> acres on the beach. We can go with the girls. We can have a nanny. We could swim every day. We'll take the Great Danes. It's just going to be, I, I mean, let's for, just for 10 years. And then we can, and then we'll start really great later, 10 years from now.
1: I I hope that will happen one day. I, I can only hope I can only hope it's, I feel like we're just in the zone right now, you know, with small babies and a new company. It's we're, we're so in the zone, but I know that I know that we're, you know, one day it's, it's each, each phase of life is a chapter and it's also temporary. And being a mom has taught me that it's so fleeting. So I think finding the appreciation through, for every phase of life. And some are, some are really hard, you know? And, and so the, I always try to, you know, remind myself, you know, that the, the, the caveat here is that there is the, there, we can, I can find the appreciation in some, in some way in, in some, in some light. And so it's, yeah, it, it's hard, but I know that probably in 10 years i'll be trying to get back to these moments you know i will be wishing that they would you know i could uh travel back to these the little childlike wonders of them growing up and seeing things for the first time and the beginning stages of a company and so that perspective there is 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 a good
0: one in 10 years you might also be remembering a time when society had running water and fresh water and (laughs) the high temperature was only about 106. Do you think of stuff like that now that you have kids about the future? And when you see the climate collapsing and everything going on?
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I, I I think about it more than I ever have. There's you feel as a parent, you feel, you know, a, a deep responsibility to not only, you know, be sharing the, teaching them the, the steps that we're taking as a family to, you know, count, do our part, but, um, also what that's, you know, what that's going to look like. You absolutely do. And I, I think the biggest thing that we can do is, is, is teaching them the way and how to take care of, you know, the planet in a way that's, that does give hope and pro- hopefully provide a way for them. But, it's scary it's definitely scary we we talk about it a lot um, in business you know build building a, a new business, bringing a new product to life in this like you know there's there's thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of products already out there. We talk about how are we doing it in a way that we're we're you know we're we're taking care of the earth just as much as we are hopefully providing solutions on the product side but it's something that you absolutely do think more about in the perspective of what what will my what what will the youth in the future what what are they going to grow up in.
0: Mm, so well said. Yeah, it's is scary, isn't it? I mean cuz it's so you talk about uncertainty. That's the ultimate uncertainty.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and to think that there's, you know, we could be making a difference now. I think I think we, you know, we have to. We have to there's there is no choice that we have to to take those steps and to start te- teaching and instilling those things in, in our young people. Which I find a lot of the conversations I have, they're more aware of it than even a, a lot of an old the older generation. You know, they're they take it seriously, which is in and, and a lot of times it works in the reverse. They're teaching us.
0: That has shocked me. Even as young as 10, they're like totally aware and mm, yeah. Sound like a climate scientist. I was like, whoa, what What did you read that? Or how did you, and they just seem to know, like, are you kidding? It's so obvious.
1: I know. Yeah. I have friends with kids that are a little bit older than mine. Mine quite aren't, aren't quite there yet, but I mean, even just we compost and even just my, my three-year-old, I mean, she knows that, you know, this goes in the compost or don't, don't dare put that in this trash. This goes there, just the little things. And she like, will help my husband put it in the, you know, they just from a small age, you can start teaching them things. But the conversations I've had with my friends, kids that are preteens, it's wild. It's wild. And and it's exciting that they're learning those things, these things in school um, and they're starting to realize them themselves.
0: How do you not let the tail wag the dog? Because I know so many people get caught up as influencers and things like that. Their whole mindset about is, will this create content or what's the lighting like, or I'm going to pose here or, I'm going to make this choice because it'll post better or the the partner they choose has to look a certain way. Every new age pretty teacher has to have the boyfriend that looks mixed race with a beard. It's like they all have a it's like <laughs> so cliché all of this shit.
1: I I no, it's it's I I fully fully can understand and appreciate for where you're coming from. One of the books one of the chapters of my books is it it starts with you know, what happens when with documenting life becomes more important than living it. And I feel that immensely, immensely. And ultimately, you know, I know I've said a lot of things kind of come back to motherhood for me. Ultimately, motherhood was like the biggest wake up call for me that of, of coming out of that bubble and realizing, uh, because you can't, I mean, there's just, those moments are too precious to miss and that's when it was just glaring in my face stop trying to create the perfect picture let's show life for for what it really is and you know i think it's it's easy to get caught up into and i'm not going to act like i haven't been uh, over the 10 year evolution of of building my brand and so but what i have found is the response and the connectedness of when you do show the unprogrammed you know uh, uncurated moments and also when you say things like hey i i didn't take a picture i didn't have my phone but there's a lot of times when i will just post about an experience and say I didn't take a picture at all but this experience was so cool it meant this to me because of XYz and i don't have a picture to put to it but i but i think that there's an appreciation there for that of being in the moment and living in the moment and you're and you're you're showing by example that you did that. And so I, and, and that, and in the community responding to that, I think it kind of shares that other people want that too. And so, yeah, I feel like, uh, you know, more than ever, I feel called to actually live life and try to document every moment of life.
0: Well, I know you're busy with 87,000 things to do, but before you go, I have absolutely loved this and you, and you're welcome to come back anytime and promote these, beautiful messages around the world.
1: Day we can grab coffee in, in Nashville. I would love to cross paths here.
0: I would love to see you and meet you here in Nashville. Before we go, I want to put you in a time capsule and your daughters are going to hear you someday on this show. What would mommy like to say to them? Let's say 10 years later. Remember when you said in 10 years, What would you what would you tell them? They're discovering this thing. It's 10 years later, maybe 15 years later. And God forbid you're not around, but just what would you like to say to them in that time capsule? And in essence, to all the young people around the world?
1: Gosh, that's a big question. I think I would say be authentically you and, and really follow your heart and lean into all of your differences and all the things that make you unique because that's really where true beauty lies. We, we always tell my, we always tell my, my daughter, cause, cause she's getting into the face. She'll watch me do makeup. She'll watch me do, you know, hair, and she'll ask, you know, to put some on. And we always tell her what makes you beautiful and she'll tell us she'll say my heart. And, you know, I think I would tell her to lean into all those things that make her her and, and that, she can live living that beautiful, authentic life of just being who she is and loving herself. Because if you love yourself first, the rest follows. And I think that's, you know, living life in that way is really a powerful journey.
0: You've been listening to the What Matters Most podcast, a 100% listener-supported program. If you feel inspired, please go to our Patreon page at www.patreon.com backslash whatmattersmost and join our family. So until the next time, stay inspired and in the light.